Welcome to the Break F1 podcast, or maybe welcome back. I'm your host, Blake Kinsey, aka Break, former F1 performance engineer turned F1 content creator. Now, usually this will be your home for data-driven analytical Formula One content, but I've got something a little bit different for you guys today. I'll be talking to Red Bull Racing junior driver and reserve driver, Liam Lawson. I first met Liam when I was working with him in the simulator at Red Bull when I was there back in 2021. And honestly, super nice, super talented guy. And it's really awesome to be able to sit down and I have a conversation with him about what he's been up to recently. Now, this interview is originally focused on talking about Liam Lawson's Super Formula season this year, which is something we'll explain all about. It's an awesome Japanese open wheel series with insane performance cars. We also talk with him a little bit about his unexpected call up to drive the AlphaTauri this season to fill in for the injured Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, I've known about Super Formula for a long time, but it's not something I particularly closely followed at all. And then when I was going through and researching it, there's actually a lot of interesting drivers that have driven the series. And we've got Alex Palou, Pato Award, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, Dan Tictum, Nick Cassidy, and, and honestly, loads more. That's not even scratching the surface. So if you want to learn more about the Super Formula in general, I've done a whole video on YouTube uh, that's already out. Go check that out on Break F1. So join me in this conversation with Liam Lawson to talk about his path through F2 Super Formula and even Formula One this season. And for a bit of context, the recording was just before the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So he's got two races left as reserve driver at the track. And then he's getting into some off season. So enjoy the conversation. So let's let's start off, Liam. It's It's been a minute. How you doing? Good. Not bad. Everything's starting to... We got two races left at this point. But obviously for me, it's a bit more... I mean, my season's kind of over. I can't yeah. drive... In Abu Dhabi, you know, normally at this point of the year, I'm preparing for the for the young drive test, but I can't do that now. So it's kind of like my season's done. Yeah. You've had this whole big period where you're kind of like sitting around waiting for the, the Super Formula season. And then, then you had the call-up, which we'll come back to. But you've, you've had a wild last couple of months. But today I want to talk about something that maybe a lot of the hardcore motorsport and F1 fans will know about, but not not a lot of the people on the outside. They're just like, hey, what's Liam been up to? So let's 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 talk about it. Why did you go to Japan this year? I think from Red Bull's point of view, it's been something that they have always believed in a lot. Like they've obviously had, you know, quite a few past drivers go to Super Formula. And the idea is it's sort of that last preparation for F1. I know a lot of people don't know about the championship and about what it is, which obviously I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about. But it, it's from their point of view, I think as long as you've got the Super License points from formula two then you basically it's the logical it's actually it's the logical thing to do just because the car the team everything is so close to to formula one yeah yeah so it the shortest answer in a nutshell how would you describe super formula it's like a like a miniature formula one series just in japan it's like obviously formula one will always be the pinnacle so it'll always be Everything about it will be the best. You have the most people, you have the, the fastest cars, but Super Formula and also the things that you work on. I think one thing that that you miss going Formula 2 to Formula 1 is Formula 2 because it's a one make, because everything's very, like the regulations are extremely tight. You can't really do anything, change much. It's all basic setup changes. It's setup changes that you actually almost do in like Formula 4, like entry-level stuff, because that's all you're allowed to do. There's no development, there's no anything like that. So whereas in Super Formula, you have two manufacturers against each other. You have Honda versus Toyota. Believe it or not, there's actually development going on between not just the engine side, but also on the cars. The teams are really pushing the limits with, with the cars. And 
then you also have a lot more people. You know, I have four engineers on my car, and then you have I have ten mechanics on my car. Super and then formula. You have, yeah, and super formula, oh my- and then you have the executive to look over everything, and so it's it's like a lot a lot closer. And the setup work we're doing is so relatable. You know, like I go from racing in Japan, I do a race, I come back to the UK, I go to simulator. This is before I was driving an F1, but I, I go back to simulator and we're working on some stuff for, for, for the Red Bull. And it's very relatable what, you know, the stuff that we're, that we're working on, especially on the aero side. It's like the main focus, obviously. Okay. So that's, that's pretty wild. And that's something I didn't appreciate because I was aware of the two engine manufacturers. It's a spec chassis. This season you had new aero that you were working through a lot of that with, but I didn't appreciate how intense that was from an engineering and development point of view. So, so yep. if, you, if you had to, the shortest answer, super formula, the shortest answer, it's like a miniature formula one car. Is that, I would say it's, well, it is, but it's not actually because okay. the speed is, the speed is close to formula one. So, but if, if I was to explain what it's actually like to drive the car, it's like the the old spec F3 car, the Verstappen F3 car that he raced and went into Formula 1. That Formula 3 car on just like steroids, that car, the, the feeling, gotcha. because Super Formula is very light. I know you said short answer and I'm giving you long answers, yeah. but the, uh, the, the car is very, very light and it's very sort of underpowered for like the downforce level that it has. So... But the feeling of driving it is super agile. There's a lot going on, a lot of corrections. Whereas Formula One, you just have like massive downforce, massive power, massive tires, massive brakes, just massive everything. But to be honest, you know, the Super Formula is, if you take, if you look at Suzuka, you take away the straights, they're very close. Okay. In terms That's, of speed. Yeah. I was looking at some of the lap times, but just another thing on like the introduction to Super Formula, did you have any issues with the language barrier working with your team or engineers being that it's, an entirely Japanese series was that was that a challenge yeah, for you yeah for sure it was a challenge and I think I'm very lucky that the team I went to was massively embraced having me come in and really worked on that side of it for me because they could have absolutely gone well it's your job to learn as much Japanese as you can to make this work because everybody there does speak Japanese but my team were they paired me up with an engineer who speaks at the start of the season very basic English but the guy went and did like five days a week English lessons. He found like a New Zealand teacher and everything, you know, just to get the accent and the right. slang and, and everything. And, and like basically the commitment level there is like I've never seen. It's like that's one of the other things that's very, very comparable is these guys. I was on at the, I remember at the start of the season doing like pre-event stuff for the first round. And I'd be on like a Zoom call like this to the team. And in Japan, it's like, honestly, like 1230 in the middle of the night, like it's midnight and the Zoom call is happening. I can see the car in the background. The number one guy is working on the car in the background. The mechanics working on it. The engineers are in the workshop. Like These guys sleep in the garage. They work so hard. That must have been a good feeling knowing that you were working with a team like that and everybody's literally nose down, just flat out. That's that's best, awesome. Best feeling. Yeah. So let's I want to dig into a little bit into the performance aspect of the super formula car talking about it relative to the f2 and the f1 so the performance of the super formula in as few as words possible kind of just to resummarize what you said it's uh let's let's talk about it tire grip aero grip balance and stability and then the power like how do you f2 to super formula how do you how do you compare those two 
F2 to Super Formula. Yeah. Power is very similar. Power is very, very similar. I mean, quite a different delivery. The yep. Super Formula is a, a two-liter four-cylinder, right? Yep. So it's quite a small engine. Yeah. But delivers very similar power. So um, are we talking about turbo lag on the two-cylinder or turbo lag on or anything like that? Like drivability? There's less turbo lag in Super Formula than, yeah, okay. than Formula 2. There's a lot more lag in, in Formula 2. But these, like I said, I mean, you have Honda and Toyota who have these every year, these guys are pushing the limits with, with these engines to extract everything out of them. So tire grip, very, very different. Yokohama versus a Pirelli. Yep. Um, the Yokohama has, it's very unique, has a very stiff sidewall. So the, I guess the peak, once you go over the peak limit of grip, once you reach like the, the maximum grip that you're going to get out of a corner, as soon as you step over it, you have a big drop in grip. Like there's a very, very big drop. So, so, that, it's that, rewards, to... so that rewards precision as well and anticipating yeah. how much you can throw the car into the corner. Exactly. You can't like, you can't basically, it's very hard to slide the tire. It's very hard to get a slide out of it because once you step over it, you lose grip. That was one of the biggest things that was challenging to learn. Then you have downforce level, a lot more downforce, a lot more downforce in, in Super Formula and a lot more sensitive. So we're working like ride heights wise, you have to be so accurate, low speed versus high speed to be reaching your targets compared to Formula 2 where we never really looked at like aero efficiency and trying to be at perfect level of ride heights and stuff like that. We would use ride heights for rake and things like that, but we wouldn't use it for like getting maximum efficiency out of the aero. Okay. That's, that's super interesting. And it's just like, yeah, I'm already starting to draw the, the conclusions and pictures in my head in terms of like the detail level of preparation, the precision that you need to operate at. And that's, that's, that. it's, we would, it's, it's still mind blowing to me. We would, we would roll around like we'd go out for the, the format in Japan is sick. The way that they lay out the, the races, you'd have like an eight, eight minute warm up before your race. You go out, you like three laps and then roll up to the, to the grid basically. And in that warm up, you kind of get a little bit of a feeling of where the car's at and would also check ride heights. And honestly, every, every time we'd roll up on the grid before the race, we'd be like, okay, we're going to slightly adjust the ride height. It's not at target. And we're talking half a millimeter. We're going to change the ride height, <laughs> which is like almost to be like, it's so unnecessary, but it's, you know, let's do it. You know, I, I love it. Precision. I mean, it, and it's, yeah. it's the kind of things that you strive for. It's like, we need to be so precise on this stuff because it does make a difference. So it does. Let's talk about the main difference in terms of those characteristics between now, uh, spoiler alert, you drove the Alpha Tauri for what, four or five races this season. Uh, we'll, yeah. it, we'll, we'll come back to that. But like, what was the main difference between the F1 and the Super Formula car? um the power is is very different formula one is 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 obviously a lot of power and that like the downforce level in high high speed like when you reach sort of the the corners where you're doing like 300 kilometers an hour or close to that downforce level is just like nothing else and and that's really really different to, to everything i've ever driven not just super formula but that's where like you know super formula is from my neck point of view, it was always been quite hard on my neck, but then you get an F1 and it's just like a whole, whole nother level. So, and then the braking as well, because of that ridiculous amount of downforce that it produces when you brake in formula one, it's, it's, we're doing a lot higher, you know, terminal speed compared to super formula. 
and we're braking. I can compare to Suzuka, for example, because I drove both tracks in both cars, and you're braking at the same points in Formula One, and and the car just yeah stops on a dime. So it's very different. But then Formula One is very heavy. Yeah. So and you feel that you're shifting a lot of weight all the time. So. Yeah. What about like for example, like so you you talked about the Pirellis on the F two had a you know they they were a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more roll on the sidewall and everything else. The the, the Super Formula tire was quite stiff and was sharp peak. How did you feel that characteristic on the F1 car? Formula was more of a different sensitivity to that because the tire itself was probably more forgiving, but because of the like, amount of downforce you're producing, when you're going through really, really high-speed sections, if you have like a snap or a moment, you rather than having a forgiving tire, it almost doesn't matter because you lose so much downforce sliding yeah. the car in high speed that it's just like you have these unbelievable snaps so you're so far out of shape and it scares yeah, you properly so i think the tire itself is probably more similar to f2 obviously in f1 with both being pirellis but yeah i would say it's more the downforce that's more that's less forgiving in, in formula one because of just how much it's producing yeah the next question f2 and formula one the overtake mechanism is drs but in yeah. Super Formula, you got to play around with an engine power boost push to pass. What was your take on that in terms of the impact on racing? I thought it was really cool because I thought it was, I thought it was cool, but I also like the concept of DRS. I think there's pros and cons to it. The thing in Super Formula that was always interesting is you can use the system whenever you want, but you have 200 seconds for the whole race. I think it was, it changed race to race, okay. but on average it was 200 seconds and basically you can use this whenever you want this 200 seconds you could use it up in one go if you like but as soon as you use it once you press the button the timer goes down and as soon as you turn it off you have to then wait like a lap and a half normally it's close to two laps before you can use it again so it starts to create a place like fuji for example where it has a big long straight you get this offset a guy would use it, say I'm racing a guy, I'd use it, I'd overtake him, he wouldn't use it. But then I, I'd turn it off for turn one, obviously to save it for the rest of the lap. I wouldn't have it the next lap and he would. So then he'd use it on me again and you just get this like, mm. this offset, which makes it really, really tricky. So then you get into situations where you have to like use your mirrors and basically estimate the closing speed of the car behind and try and work out if he's using overtake or if it's slipstream that he's got this run. Because... If if he's just if he's not using overtake and he's using slipstream, you then want to block it with overtake. But if he's not used it, then he's going to get it the next lap. So you just get this like, honestly, the amount of times you're like trying to work out the closing speed of a car behind you to work out whether he was using the system or not was like really really tricky. But the cool thing is, if you overtake somebody with it, you leave it on, you use it out of the corner, for example, and use it to block. So it's a lot more variable. Whereas DRS is obviously the same, the same thing. Yeah. That's, so if you had to pick one, let's say you went back and you drove the Alpha Tower tomorrow and you got to pick one mechanism that you would like from A, from a racing point and B, what you think makes more interesting racing. Are you picking one definitely or are you still not sold either no. way? I'm not sold. I, I think there's pros and cons to both. Okay. I think the problem is you can get in situations where you can just use overtake to block. If you if you do it correctly, you can just use it to block every time. So Yeah. It's a tricky one. I think I couldn't pick. Yeah, fair enough, man. I yeah. want to, let's change gears. I want to talk about 
the, the, the experience, the racing and the competition, new country, new circuits, new teams. We've talked a bit about your team. We've talked a little bit about some of the other competitors. So let's see if I've got this right. We've got nine rounds over seven meetings on five different circuits. You've got Fuji, Suzuka, Atopolis, Sugo, and Motegi. How many of those circuits did you know before you got to Super Formula? Before I got there at yeah. all, zero. So I'd never driven on any of them. But then we did preseason post. So we postseason preseason in Suzuka. Okay. Um, but the rest of them, each round was the first time being there until we did the double ups. But yeah, it was both. Most of them were first time, and that was obviously one of the challenges about the season, which was super impressive to me. Watching how well you did at all of those places, having never turned a wheel on those circuits before you got into that super formula car. What was your favorite? of the five circuits we had massive success in fuji so it's got to be there but i also really liked autopolis was a fun circuit at that place was enjoyable to to drive yeah was there anything particularly special or different about the japanese circuits let's say to circuits back home in new zealand or circuits on the european you know f3 f2 feeder calendar was there anything like that stood out in terms of you know I don't know, like emotionally, spiritually, or characteristic-wise, or flow about these circuits that you found interesting, charming, rewarding, challenging? I think, yeah, for sure. They, they were very unique, but there was, I would say, two sets or two kinds. You had Suzuka Fuji that were quite comparable to an F1 circuit spec. Not to the, I mean, that's sort of more similar to an older-style circuit, for sure. But then you go to places, I mean, Sugo, I couldn't believe that we were racing these like almost Formula One level cars on this like New Zealand spec track. I watched, is what it felt like. I watched the onboard from the pole lab from that place. And it's like, it almost looks like a club racing circuit. Yeah. yeah it, but it, it, it was raw though. It was super raw. It's like it, you finish a lap there and your heart rate is just through the roof but it's 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 dangerous for sure and, and like the the runoff to the point where like i was we were watching an f3 race on the weekend we were racing and this poor dude is all he's done is run wide off on the curb he's driven in the grass and on a normal circuit you'd bounce through the grass and just come back on the track but he's just had a hole in the ground that's ripped the whole front of the car the suspension everything just rips out of it from all he's done is drop a wheel and run a little bit wide so yeah. like those kind of things you obviously don't experience on Formula One speed tracks, but it definitely brings a more exciting part. And that's why I love driving on on some of the New Zealand tracks at home as well. Yeah, that, that's super cool. Cause like, I, I feel like some of the, like the old school Formula One tracks have that feel and vibe about them. And some of the more modern tracks seem a little bit, a little bit sterilized, but looking at some of the onboards from those Japanese circuits. And I was watching a video of you driving, I forget which circuit it was in New Zealand. It was a video that just came out today with the- Islands. Yeah, that looked- that looked special. That looked actually special. This is my favorite track in the world. Yeah, I'm. I I I think I might have to go out there and engineer that that TRS Winter Series, man. But I'm I'm excited, and and that country is beautiful. Honestly, man, I'm super envious. But let's let's talk about the competition in Super Formula. What was it like going up against some of these Japanese drivers that have been driving Super Formula for years? They knew the cars very well. I mean, this season. You had an introduction of some new aero packages, I think, was the upgrade. But these guys know these tracks. They've been, you know, they've done their feeder series effectively on these circuits. And you show up to their home turf. And what, what was it like? Was there, 
you know, we've got car knowledge, we've got tire knowledge, we've got aero knowledge, and then we've got circuit knowledge. So talk me through that. What was it like going up in, against these guys that were, ex, they're experts yeah. in that, and they're, they're, they're no slouches either. They just, honestly, it was like driving against, like driving against robots in the way that they just wouldn't, especially in the qualifying, they just wouldn't miss. They've done, you know, some of them have done more than 10 seasons and on five circuits, which is the biggest thing. It's not even like doing 10 seasons of Formula One. You're doing just the same five circuits every single year. Yeah. And we would have one practice session. So when we'd rock up to these new events, we'd have one practice session to try and like get on the level. That's why I think qualifying was always a challenge and we'd never quite be, I think by the race, we were always in a good situation and competitive, but sometimes qualifying was like, honestly, it would be the last type of qualifying. I'd put a, put a lap together and just kind of fake it so you make it kind of thing and, and pull one out. But up until that point, sometimes I would have been, you know, a good half a second off. Yeah, because I, I was looking, that's, that brings me on to my next question is the numbers don't tell the whole story because you had a phenomenal season in Super Formula, just finishing a handful of points off. And there was a couple quite unlucky things that could have, should have, would have, but I, you, yeah. you, you were super impressive. You only have one pole this season, but you had three race wins. And is that down to the the local knowledge, the preparation, the the precision of the, the local drivers? That's it. Yeah, it's just qualifying. They were just so honestly so strong. Like it's it's obviously imagine you're doing the same five tracks every year for for ten or more seasons. You just go out and it's just it's it's in there. You know how to do it. So that was always the trickiest part. And obviously our pole came at the very last race of the season, which I think makes a little bit of sense considering the way the season or well, the, the nature of the going into each weekend. Yeah. What was what was the biggest challenge for you in Super Formula? That would be, I would say that would, would have been it. Yeah. The trying to adapt, you know, it would be, we'd have a good weekend in say Fuji and then we'd go to another, the next round it would be like, okay, back to square one, new track, basically do it all again. And then you'd complete that weekend and the next one, another new track, do it all again kind of thing. And it was like starting from square one, I, it was hard to get momentum on previous races because each one was so different. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that? You know that was a, a a skill that challenged you as a driver and forced you to adapt. Like, do you do you feel like that was a you know something you walk away from that feeling stronger as a as a person as oh, a driver? Yeah. It's a set. It's a new set of skills. I definitely you know gained from from doing this this unique way of of, of racing. Obviously, you're going for a second season and it's a different story. But I think it's definitely something that as a driver, I I I would definitely have benefited from. Yeah. So, I mean, we go back to the beginning of the question. It's like, you know, why did you go to Super Formula? It's like, well, they're like, Liam, we're sending you to Japan for a year so you can race this. But when you come off the back of that, you're probably thinking, I'm I'm so much a better driver now as a result of that. I, like, if, if you look at the exact situation I was thrown in this year, getting put, I know we'll talk about it, but getting thrown into Formula One, I am so glad that I did at least half the season or 80% of the season of Super Formula before jumping in a Formula One car, because I think without it, there's no, I just don't think, I I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't have been as strong or I would have struggled more because of that. I, I learned so much just during those first few races in Super Formula. So let's let's frame the, the story a little bit. It's Zandvoort after the summer break. Yeah. You're in the Red Bull garage during free practice sessions because you're, you're Red Bull junior driver and your job is reserve driver when you're at the circuit. That's why you're there. Yeah. So you see... Daniel avoiding the crash and going into the wall and you see that steering wheel knock. 
are you looking at GP and maybe Cookie? Like, are they looking at you? I I didn't look at. I, to be honest, I didn't even see the steering wheel snap in the crash. It was only like because it was red flags. So it was like ten minutes later. They showed a replay and they pulled up. You know how they have the the replay. They have the radio come up and then they'll have the description of the radio because obviously yeah. in the garage you're gonna hit it on. I can't hear the commentators and and sure. what the F one session as you know. So, but they show the text of what the driver says and it was Daniel saying, basically like oh shit my hand or something like that you know it was related to basically his his hand so i did you start to drop that, it was like a honestly it was like a half a second of possibility but then i just carried on watching the session and i honestly didn't <laughs> think anything of it It was so so quick and it was only like 10 minutes later or tw no 20 minutes later probably it was well into the session that i got a message from marco from alpha tori and he said as soon as the session's done, you need to come straight to the hospitality. Like it's absolutely urgent. And that was, then I knew straight away what, what it was about. And I was just like pacing around the back of the Red Bull garage. And like, I honestly, I remember like Cookie was like looking across me like, what the hell are you doing? Because it was still like 10 or 20 minutes left of the session. Yeah, he didn't, he definitely didn't mention that to me. That's not why I asked at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's, let's get into it. It's free practice three. It's weather's terrible, isn't it? Wasn't free, it was free, yeah. free practice three was wet Friday. and you yeah. are thrown into the Alpha Tari to replace the injured Daniel. What was the biggest surprise? What was the biggest shock to you? Well, I'd never driven on the Inter, so and it was a tire that I knew. The Inter is like, it's, it's a tire that works because of the way Formula One is at the moment. If it's wet enough that you use a full wet tire, it's basically too wet to drive because there's so much standing water. So the Inter works better. Anyway, like if it's if it's drivable, it's going to be on the inter. Yeah. So I knew we'd be on it, but it's a tire that you have to go out and just keep the temp straight away. If you don't drive fast enough, you lose temp, and then it's like a slick. So I like drove out there, and I was just like, I drove out on a wet for like two laps, but then we put the inter on. It was like, man, I just got to try and almost fake it. And, but, and you, like, but you knew that you had to keep the energy in the inter to keep it alive, right? So you're in exactly. your head, you're like don't slow down or what like what was that like always just drive faster yeah, yeah but i had no feeling it was the most horrible feeling of just i had no being that green in the car i just mm. had no feeling of what was happening beneath me there's like such a disconnect feeling of me to the tire to the track you know normally when you're comfortable in a car and you see and i will never forget it i came around this that penultimate corner in zandvoort and max came by me and i saw him just the rear like mid corner slide and he just slid the thing all the way out to the exit curb across the curb and around the last corner and i remember seeing that and just be like dude i can't do that like right now there's no way i just have no feeling of of being able to slide the car and it was just like oh it was so horrible and to try and learn it as quickly as possible to try and get that that confidence level that just takes time and i yeah. just didn't have it yeah, you, you don't get time. This is this is do or die, isn't it? Was that humbling seeing seeing Max just manhandling that car in those treacherous conditions like that? You're like, that's the level right now, man. It is. It's something that I know. I know that because I have enough experience in different cars to know that within time, I get that feeling. Because every time you jump in a new car, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I know that after a certain amount of time, you, you're able to do that kind of thing. So I knew that it would, it would come in time, but it definitely wasn't a nice feeling. And just knowing that, <laughs> 
I, the biggest thing about the whole experience was I didn't know how long I was going to have. At that point, Sandvoort was the only weekend I knew I was driving. So you know that you have such a short amount of time to try and prove something. But when you when I'm in that position, free practice three, first time in the car, you know, way off the pace, it yeah. was that was hard. Yeah, but I, I guess at the same time, I I, I think that speaks to your maturity as well, considering you you got in the car, you got through that free practice three session on the Inters, you qualified. 20th but through all of that you kept your nose clean the entire time and you actually you moved forward during the race and i thought that was it was super mature for me because you did you knew you had something to prove but at the same time you knew you knew your limit quite well it seemed it was just it was just don't crash that was the, the yep. biggest thing was like, just don't shunt don't shut the car and i and in that free practice session i spun once and i spun coming on to this that last that last corner where i saw max through that big you know drift out i spun it there and because of the way the circuits banked i spun at the top of the banking and everything was locked and i was just sliding down towards the wall and honestly i reckon i would have pushed like 250 bar on the brake just like so hard because i could see the wall coming and i was just please don't yeah. don't do a front wing like just just and i just just touched it and the, the wing was fine so the race was just basically about don't don't shunt and we got the race the start of it was crazy wet conditions and and then it dried out and that was where i started to get comfortable with the car i did like 30 laps in completely dry conditions the tire was degrading i was starting to have a good feeling of basically that feeling and what was happening there had a bit of racing with another car as well and then i started to get comfortable that's that's so you we're talking you know you've got a couple of wet sessions a qualifying session which was probably terrifying honestly and then yeah. and then you get on the dries and you you get those laps under your belt and did you yeah. and at that point you like you said you didn't know what your next event was going to be was it going to be the final round in in super formula or were you going to be back in the, the alpha tauri again so next week yeah yeah so let's let's talk about that like what was the Here's, here's the thing that we talk about a lot is the car complexity. You've got Formula 2, Super Formula, and you've got the Formula 1. You've got, I mean, I used to spend a lot of time talking through the drivers, through the steering wheel and all the systems. Was that a little yeah. bit of overload or did you find it not too much? That's the bit. Starch procedures, when to use the battery, how to use the battery, you know, all the default codes and all that. Talk me through that. How was that experience yeah. like? You, you obviously understand it completely and that's what that is honestly one of the that's like the trickiest part about driving in a formula one is is actually just operating the, the car and being able to 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 basically deliver all of the switch changes that you get called because especially in a race you get called so many times sometimes it's once a lap that you have to do these defaults and i i you know that was one of the hardest things was especially in zandvoort the way the track was trying to do these switch changes during during that track was was really really tricky so that's definitely one of the things that but it becomes once you understand it it's something that is so cool as a driver because you have not just the defaults that you get told by your engineer that you probably don't feel so much in the car it's more stuff for them but then you have your you know performance settings you have diff engine braking brake shape you have all these things that you can change on the go with toggles as well that that's the stuff that as a driver it's really exciting to use yeah and those are the go faster bits because if you've got a problem with the brake shape or something you can change it you can you can yeah. do three things at once once you learn those systems did you get comfortable with those at the end of your stint in the alphatari like For sure and i remember using that race in zandvoort to just change like even if it wasn't going to do anything to make me faster it was just to get a feeling of it i just did diff changes sometimes a bit of engine braking just to see what it did stuff like that just to have a 
sort of feeling of, of, of what it did, because that's the stuff that I knew that if I, you know, if I was to keep driving, that's the stuff that's really important. Because if there is, like you say, one specific corner that you're struggling, that's really important. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's where you find those advantages, those, those little tiny gains. It's like, I can't brake as hard or as late as I'd like, or I'm locking rears here, locking rears and dragging them through a whole race stint. That's a good way yeah. to run into pain and degradation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so would you say that the the systems were took up quite a bit of capacity to get used to? It's what we spent the first, I mean, it's what we spent the whole, from finding out I was driving to driving the car in free practice three, it's what we basically spent the whole time learning. And luckily, luckily I had done so much simulator and driven the car in the past with Red Bull and obviously in the free practice sessions that honestly, without that, there's just no way. Yeah. So you said let's let's go back rewind a little bit to Super Formula. Like I want to talk I want to talk a load about your time in Formula One, but I'm I'm, I'm conscious of your time, and I this video is obviously going to be about Super Formula. So I'll get to some final questions. But you said Super Formula was a huge asset to help you prepare for Formula One. The chaos, the the uncertainty, the you know learning on your feet. Was there anything that stood out to you about the performance level of the Formula One car? That nothing could have prepared you for was is there can you speak to that i think it's more even the performance level on the body honestly you know the race i, I know i did some pretty tough races in the scheme of things you know with singapore qatar places like that i think it's the length of the races the size of the car that you're driving and, and basically the physical side that you know that's the stuff that was really probably the most tricky, you know, I think you start the season in, a, in tracks that aren't quite that level. So going into some pretty, you know, type, like Zandvoort is, is, I mean, my neck was falling off, honestly, halfway through the race. Um, did you did you ask for the pad at the next race? Luckily, Daniel had them in already, okay. thankfully. So I had, I had honestly owed him for, for having those in because yeah. I just left what he had. Yeah. And obviously I was, I was definitely using them. I think that's honestly what you can't really prepare for with, yeah. with F1 is the race, the mental overload. Like when you're getting all these default calls all the time and you're struggling to physically drive the car, um, that's really what's, what's tough about F1. You know, I, I, I take a lot of this stuff for granted and I don't have these conversations with the drivers when I was there. Cause you're just kind of like in the zone, but it's, it's really humbling hearing these stories and talking about how, how daunting and how challenging it actually is because we're sitting here me in my nice comfy chair doing my commentary of the race and i'm like yeah just go a bit faster mate but honestly yeah. dude so so the physicality of it was was the biggest thing and then there's the rest there's the mental side there's the pressure of knowing in my situation at least i knew i had such limited races and because it's f1 this is now you know, I, I know everything I've done in the past matters, but it matters a lot less now. This is what I'll be judged on. Yeah. How I drive these races, this is the this is what will define whether I become a Formula One driver in the future or or not. So I knew that level of pressure I'd never dealt with before. And you have the media in Formula One, as you know, you have like the attention. It's just it's so crazy. Yeah. But I mean let's let's talk about your F one results. Netherlands twentieth qualifying raced up to P thirteen, Italy from 12th to 11th, Singapore from 10th to 9th, Japan 11th to 11th, and Qatar 18th to 14th. You did nothing but go forwards from where you qualified. And, and to be fair, to put that in context, 
you know, when we talk about getting into the top five teams right now, I don't think that car was on that level. So I'm looking at these results and these numbers. I think you got everything out of it from the outside. How do you, how, how would, how would you rate your formula one performance out of 10? You always, oh, okay. As a simple number like that, there's always more. So I'm never going to, you can never rate a 10. You can't. Yeah. And, you, and if you do, if you do, you're, you're full of shit, honestly. Yeah, you're full of shit, 100%. <laughs> you, exactly. So you, you're, I'm thinking like considering all the situations, you know, an eight, I would say, I, you know, I, it was so, it was the most important thing I ever had to do. So basically was you know it takes over your life for that for that period and i put absolutely everything into it so i would say you know like an eighth i would be happy with i would say that's probably fair but i think there's always more there's always you know you finish your race and you're like oh, we've done this yeah yeah i left yeah. a little bit on the table there you yeah. know pit stop positioning stuff like that race starts oh, sometimes that, kind of stuff. that that stuff was yeah all, all obviously stuff that i was like you know nearly frying a clutch in pit stops and stuff like that yeah what about your super formula season. How would you rate your super formula season out of 10? Because that's the, that's what this video is about, is your super formula season. I know everybody's like, oh, I'll talk about Formula 1. I'm going to harass you about the super formula because I'm sure you're bored, maybe not bored to death of talking about F1, but I I think super formula is a super interesting thing and, and your insight yeah. into that world, to me, has been super valuable because it's a little bit like on the fringes for the Western audience in terms of the approachability of it and the exposure to it. So... Let's, let's, yeah, let's ask the question. How would you rate your super formula season out of 10? I'd probably say an eight as well. What, the, um, where did you lose two points? Motogi. We lost the championship in Motogi. The crash, crash from the start didn't need to happen. It was something that I, I obviously you'll always look back at and kick yourself for. And you know what? It was something that I knew in the moment. It's something that I hadn't even had the crash yet. I was facing backwards, looking at the whole field coming towards me. And I was, I was thinking in that moment, why the you know that is so this is so costly this is probably going to now define yeah. everything so that's that's where i deduct those points yeah okay i i think you know are you marking yourself down for the the qualifying performances as in not knowing the circuits as well as everybody else or did you did you did you achieve your expectations in those moments i think considering the the nature of it yeah i, I would say that obviously on paper i got out qualified by my teammate more than not but because of the because it was you know the the a lot of those tracks were first times, I would say honestly that was not where I'd mark mark it down. Yeah. Okay. I I think that's fair. You you know what you're you're very brutally honest about that, and I think that's a really important characteristic for you guys to be to be honest, but not kick yourself about stuff. So that, that's really cool to see that that perspective. What was what was the most valuable lesson that you learned from racing in Super Formula? These are questions that are hard to pick, you know, to pick yeah. one thing to, yeah, it's hard to, to really define it to one, honestly. There's, there's so many things you learn throughout the season. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I couldn't put it down to one. Could I, could, I, could I try to push you in a direction then? What about the adaptability thing? You know, the idea of new circuit, new place, new environment, and being able to thrive in that situation and, and that strengthening your, your approach as a driver and your understanding of, I think it doesn't even matter it doesn't even matter what what situation it is there's so many things so many situations where you are thrown in something that you have to adapt to so for me it was super formula it was a lot of the new tracks and stuff like that but adapting is no matter what it is it's the same thing that you're doing so i think that was something that 
I, that I learned a lot from and definitely would have helped going into a, a situation like Formula One, obviously, having to adapt very quickly to that. I think doing Super Formula definitely helped helped with that. Yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. So I've got a couple final questions for you and say as much or as little as you'd like. What are your plans next season? What do you got right now? Next year, I'm as reserve, basically. So it's it's basically similar to what I was doing this year, but I won't be... I won't be racing in a in a full time championship. So basically, it's it's carrying on preparing for Formula One. A lot of a lot of work with the team behind the scenes. But obviously, in this situation, there's no place for a seat next year. So it's it's basically full time reserve. Yeah, but I I think I mean looking on the outside, and I think you proved what you can do, and you've shown that through F two Super Formula and your 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 five race stint in F one that you've you've got what it takes. And now I guess it's just the waiting game, isn't it? We will see. That's it. exactly that. It's just waiting and waiting and seeing. So, if you could go back and do Super Formula again, would you do it? If you could do, if you could, or if you could do another season, if the means were there to do another season, would you do it, or do you you've you've learned what you needed to learn from that, and you need to focus on the next step? I think that's it. I think because because there are still differences to Formula One, and and it's very different to drive the cars. Or I think I I got everything out of it, or I got the most out of it that I need to take with me forwards into into the basically whatever I do next, which is obviously hopefully Formula One. So that I think, yeah, I think now it's it's more in terms of the racing stuff, I've done everything leading up to it. Obviously even now a little bit of F one and I think it's now just preparing for for Formula One. Cool. Now dude, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and uh your honesty on all this stuff. And I think it's it's really cool to shed a little bit of light on that story that a lot of people don't really know about the Formula One Championship. I could talk your ear off for another hour, but I know you've got stuff to do. You're probably you're probably off to the airport, what, tomorrow for to go out to Vegas? No, dude, I'm driving. Finally, no more, no, no. I mean, I've done yeah. a ridiculous amount of flights recently, so yeah. I'm gonna drive to Vegas from here. It's only a couple of hours, Beautiful. which will be a lot better. So yeah, nice. no worries at all. Thanks. Thanks for making that easy. Yeah, are you driving anything nice or something? something pretty I'm, chill but so I'm, coming, I'm coming back here in december and i'm sorting out getting like a because i'm in america like a raptor from ford or something like that yes plan. i love it man i love it so where, where can everybody find you are you going to be doing anything new on on youtube or instagram anything that people can look out for normal uh, yes definitely youtube starting youtube in the next couple of weeks and that'll be i think lo- there'll be loads of content coming out on that over the break i think when when uh, sort of the racing stuff dies down uh, so but that's still to be kind of worked out to be honest cool. i think everybody will figure out where to find you on youtube then i don't think that'll be too hopefully. hard mate <laughs> hopefully. well awesome mate dude i appreciate your time have fun in vegas and stay out of the casinos all right yeah yeah i will no worries thanks thanks i hope you enjoyed that episode and don't forget to check out liam lawson on his socials and keep an eye out for his youtube and hopefully i'll be back with some more conversations over the winter be sure to drop a subscription over to break f1 over on youtube and if you're watching this on youtube don't forget that i also publish these to all your favorite audio podcast platforms so you can listen to them in the car at the gym or whatever else but i'll see you guys soon